My name is Joris Molinga, co-founder at DuckDuckGoose, where we are on a mission to detect deepfakes and filter out what to believe from what we perceive. I'm on the Edge of AI podcast, a fantastic place to learn about AI. You better believe it. Stay tuned. Hello, AI podcast passengers. Jump on in. Here's what's to come on today's journey. Find out how today's guest is exposing deepfakes and adding trust to this uncertain new AI world. Why, if you think reality is strange, you're wrong. It's you that's strange. And from graduate trained AI expert, learn what book is known as the AI Bible. Amen. All this and more, take your seat. Welcome aboard the Edge of AI podcast. Snap into your safety belt to explore the depths of the rapidly expanding AI universe. Each episode is a dispatch featuring hyper-relevant reports from the pilots, pioneers, and passengers aboard the AI rocket ship. We explore the latest use cases and developments in AI, hear from experts building tech, and learn how this disruptive force is transforming industries and society. I'm Ron Levy. Welcome aboard, everyone. I'm an experienced entrepreneur, builder, and explorer, just like many of you joining us on this journey. Before graduating high school, I ran a six-figure construction company, and after that, I embarked on adventures across planet Earth, exploring some of the most challenging jungles, mountains, and deserts on multiple continents. I've also constructed award-winning homes in LA, and currently, I lead a publicly traded company dedicated to pushing technological boundaries and redefining human potential. Today, thought-provoking questions will serve as our fuel as we chart our course to the edge of AI. Let's get ready for an incredible ride. I'm really excited about today's guest, Joris Malinga of DuckDuckGoose. DuckDuckGoose is a platform that offers advanced solutions to protect against deepfake videos and images. Any of you that have been involved with AI or been utilizing, you know this is an ongoing issue. Joris is an AI specialist who majored in artificial intelligence before co-founding DuckDuckGoose. In his role as a co-founder, he oversees the product and development teams, driving innovation and leveraging his experience and expertise to keep the company at the forefront of technology. With a strong focus on ethical AI practices, Jordis advocates for responsible development and use of the AI systems that benefit society. We know the industry is rife full of unintended consequences, and it takes guys like Jordis to help keep us between the lines. Beyond his professional accomplishments, he also finds fulfillment in mentoring aspiring AI enthusiasts and engaging in charitable initiatives. Dr. Goose aims to realize a digital environment in which we can trust what we see. The emergence of deepfakes means that everything we see digitally can be manipulated. In order to ensure everyone's autonomy to determine what's true, they are developing insightful deepfake detection software. The software is not only able to classify a certain image or video as real or fake, but also provide insight into why that content has been classified as manipulated. Their software is available as a forensic analysis tool, but also via their website for free so that everyone can see the difference. So let's start with a little background, Joris. You completed your graduate work in AI before co-founding DuckDuckGoose. What's it been like behind the scenes? 
in AI academia and industry the past few years as the developments have, have unfolded? And how did you end up becoming a co-founder? Thank you, Ron. And thanks for having me on the Edge of AI podcast. It's been a very exciting journey for me in both AI academia and in AI industry in the past years. As an AI specialist, I had the opportunity to immerse myself in cutting-edge research, exploring the potentials and challenges of artificial intelligence. I think it's awe-inspiring how AI transforming the way we interact with technology and interact with the systems around us. My background is not in computer science or AI. I'm originally an aerospace engineer. As a kid, I always wanted to become a pilot. That didn't work out for various reasons, but ended up doing aerospace engineering instead, which was interesting. But what I found most interesting during this aerospace degree was a few elective courses I had on artificial intelligence. And during those elective courses, they, well, so just some deep learning 101, some basic tinkering with deep neural networks and solving some very easy or very basic regression or classification problem really got me inspired for pursuing a career in AI. And that's when I decided once I completed my bachelor's to pursue a master's degree in AI at the University of Amsterdam. I graduated in 2020, just at the beginning of 2020, just before COVID hit and founded Dr. Goose shortly thereafter. At Dr. Goose, we aim to realize a digital environment where we can still believe what we perceive. You said this yourself. At the moment, this is threatened by the availability of synthetic media. Synthetic media is a very broad term. And within that scope, we focus on deep fakes. At Dr. Goose, we provide deep fake detection products and services. Before we go deeper into that, I want to get a little foundation of DuckDuckGoose and yourself. We know your background. You've told us you went to University of Amsterdam and you have your master's degree from there, which is fantastic. You live in the Netherlands, correct? Correct. I live in Amsterdam. Right. And that's where you're at. And that's also a great thing about our industry. But I would say over the last couple of decades, we've been able to have companies dispersed all over the world. And it's pretty seamless, just as we're sitting here right now. I'm in the Los Angeles area and you are in Amsterdam and and here we are. And I know that's how you operate your business as well. Give us a quick snapshot of DuckDuckGoose. In other words, are you operating in a physical facility? How many people do you have? Kind of how did the founders, you don't have to go too deep, but how did you guys get together? And of course, everybody's going to wonder about the name. Yeah, the question about the name we get asked a lot, as you can imagine. I met my two founders, Mark and Perea, at the beginning of 2020. There was a mutual connection who laid the introduction. Dr. Goose is a spin-off from a university project, and I joined the company just at the moment that it spun off from the university. We started with the three of us. At the moment, the team consists of 11 team members, so we've grown pretty steadily in the past years. We have an office in the Netherlands. Well, and where our team is dedicated to providing robust and reliable deepfake detection products and services. Oh, that's fantastic. And the University of Amsterdam, are they really out front when it comes to, I mean, they have a master's class in AI. I'm going to suggest there can't be many of those out there. So is it unique or one of the first movers? No, there's not too many of them out there. They have been around for quite a long time, and especially within Europe. The Amsterdam Machine Learning Lab with a couple of well-known professors is quite highly regarded. Uh, fantastic. There's a term, genetic algorithms. Can you hit that for me a little bit? 
Yeah, of course. Genetic algorithms are an optimization technique which is inspired by processes of nature, of basically the principle of natural selection. And it aims to solve complex optimization problems by mimicking the principles of evolution, like mutation or survival of the fittest, basically. And over time, this algorithm, this process, converges towards better solutions enabling genetic algorithms to efficiently explore large solution spaces and come up with optimal or near optimal solutions. And in these elective courses I took on machine learning and AI, there was some tinkering with genetic algorithms too. And I found that fascinating. And that inspired me to pursue this career in AI. This for the audience now, this is going to culminate into an understanding of what Dr. Goose is. It is pretty amazing. We've all seen the wow moments of this is a deep fake, can you believe it? And we know that's out there now. And we know that as AI is snowballing every single day and finding its way into everything we touch and do, the distrust is going to grow more and more. And DuckDuckGoose is a solve for that problem. It's kind of amazing to me. So within that, as we move forward, there's going to be some screen shares. And I do realize some of the audience will be on audio only. So we'll try and describe what we're looking at to the best we can. For those of you that are able to see this, I think you're going to be blown away. It's pretty amazing. So why don't you talk about how you help detect deepfake threats and kind of how did you decide to pursue this value proposition? At Dr. Goose, we leverage the power of AI for deepfake detection. So it's a kind of an AI versus AI battle because it's generative AI creating or manipulating digital footage and our AI being able to distinguish real footage from deepfake footage. We've trained systems to be able to tell the difference between a deepfake image and a normal image by training our software on data sets of real and deepfaked images. These data sets are a combination of proprietary data sets that we develop ourselves, as well as publicly available open source data sets. So the AI is actually training itself once you get it going, right? It keeps reaching out and getting more data. I assume that's the way it's working, yes? Well, we still need to feed it data in order for the AI to keep improving itself. But it is, you are correct in the sense that it is becoming better over time. And that is the requirement because the defect technology is also evolving at a rapid pace and well, generative AI technology is exploding right now. A couple of years ago, no one heard of the term generative AI, but well, it's exploding at the moment. So we need to keep up to date with the latest developments in generative AI. What type of clients are you chasing right now? What is your optimal client? Is it institutional clients? Is it for the masses individually? Give me an idea of where, at least on the roadmap, where these starting points are. We focus our deepfake detection products and services towards digital identity verification. So any process where an individual has to authenticate or identify his or herself with a selfie or a selfie video, these systems can be spoofed by presenting these liveness or these digital identity verification systems with a deepfake. And actually, this penetration testing is also something that we do at Dr. Goose to get a foot between the door to kickstart the conversation with our potential clients. So we sell to digital identity verification, which is mainly well-established large companies providing liveness and digital identity verification check. However, this is only our short-term focus. Well, as a startup, well, you need to start somewhere. We chose on digital identity verification. But as our product and as our software can be applied to any digital footage, images and video, which is 
basically everything nowadays because we spend I don't know how much time of our day on our smartphone looking at at videos and things on social media. Digital identity verification is not the end game. And there are tons of different industries we'd like to apply our solution to, for example, video conferencing or news and media, just to name a few. So digital ID, is it just facial, I'll call it recognition, or is it retina? Is it anything in specific? Where are you starting on that? It's more than facial recognition. What we take as input is a selfie of someone trying to identify his or herself in some kind of onboarding process for a bank account or cryptocurrency broker account or a dating app or shared scooter, whatever. So we take a selfie or a selfie video as input. And from there, we do a deepfake classification. We receive the input and a couple of seconds later, we give our users a result, which consists of two things. First of all, a binary classification, whether we think it's authentic or deepfake, which is expressed as a probability score. And second, we show what regions of the image are as deemed suspicious by our AI. Literally, what pixels contribute most to the decision of our software, and thus this serves as a tool to guide the user in substantiating his or her decision or whether on rejecting or accepting this selfie. I mean, it's just amazing. And generative AI, we've been hearing the term. I would suggest there's a lot of people that are looking into or are somewhat involved that may not know the difference between AI in general, frankly, machine learning, AI, and generative AI. Can you hit that a little bit for us to educate? It's kind of rare for us to have the level of expertise that you own here to give us complete clarity. Yeah, of course. Generative AI is a subset of artificial intelligence that focuses on creating new content rather than just analyzing or recognizing patterns in existing data. It uses machine learning models, particularly generative models, to generate new data that resembles the training data it was trained upon. And this capability makes it incredibly powerful and versatile. Common applications of generative AI are models that can produce images of people or text-to-image models where you give it a prompt and it creates a half a dozen images of resembling the text prompt, but also audio, voice, something well, that one could generate with generative AI models. Got it. And that's really the magic. And I'll say about generative AI that we're, most of us are familiar with now, hear me through, I would say it was invented in November of 22, so less than a year ago. That's technically not accurate, of course. AI has been developing now for many, many years, decades, I'd say. And it's gotten a snowball rolling effect this last decade. But when I say it was invented in November, that's when the masses were able to touch it and use it. And it's kind of like I commonly joke that the internet was invented in 2004. What I mean there is that's when people got high speed. Before that, it was interesting and a chore, but it is that moment that it came to the masses. So I think it's OpenAI and it's November of 22. You want to speak to that a little bit or tell me if I'm off base? You're very right, Ron. I think you're referring to the release of ChatGPT in November 22, when, well, that was the first application of generative AI, which went mainstream and was out of the blue, very easy for the mainstream to use before then. But the technology was not new. Large language models, the technology behind ChatGPT or the type of neural networks behind ChatGPT had existed already for a couple of years. They were not new, but this mainstream adoption in November 22, that was, that shook the world uh, quite a bit. I can tell you the first gentleman that told me about ChatGPT was in November. And the thing that stuck with me, he said, 
in 90 days, everybody that touches the industry or is in tech is going to be using and know about this. He said 90 days after that, the whole world will know. And I would say his time frame was just about dead on. And with that kind of snowball movement, you can't even imagine what it's going to be like six months or a year from now, let alone further out. It's Which is why Duck, Duck, Goose is critically important. You've got to be able to tell real from fake. And that's what you guys do. And I think it's amazing. Let's cycle back, though. You never did tell us where the name came from. Dr. Goose is a children's game where players sit in a circle facing inwards and there's one child who is it. And that child walks around tapping on the shoulder of the children sitting in the circle saying duck, 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 until finally choosing a goose. And that the goose is then becomes a designated chaser and the children run and the goose has to chase uh, one of the children. And then, well, then the game restarts. The metaphor here is that the goose is hidden within the ducks, just like deep fake images and videos are hidden within authentic image and video material. Hence the name Duck Duck Goose. That is so perfect. It really comes clear with that. Thanks. So with that, it's probably a perfect time. Let's do a screen share and take a look at exactly what you guys do. Show us a demo and I'll be interrupting a little bit to describe to the audio audience what we're looking at. Yeah, feel free to interrupt me, Ron. I started my screen share. I think you should be able to see now this selfie or this photograph of this man. And this man actually does not exist. This is a face morph, a combination of two faces of myself and my co-founder, Mark. And using AI technology, the AI has, well, kind of taken the average of our two faces and created a new identity. We call him Morris, which is the kind of the, the Mark and Yoris, well, which never exists and never will exist. I just want to jump in. So if you were looking at the screen right now, what you would see is what looks like a headshot, a very close up of someone. If you weren't on this podcast and saw this, you would just think it's just someone and it's very, very real. Yeah, you would. And this is what would take as input. So this would be a selfie we would receive for in a digital identity verification process. If we run this image through our software, we are basically returned with two things. And the first thing our software returns is a probability of this being a deepfake. And in this case, it's classified as highly likely being a deepfake over 98%. That's the first part of the service we provide. The second part we provide is this heat map in the right bottom corner beneath overlay, which indicates which pixels contribute most to the decision of our AI. And this heat map with all kind of with red and green and bluish colors, well, highlights the intensity of the pixels that contribute to the decision of AI. And in this case, you can see basically the entire face is highlighted, which is actually correct because this face morph, basically everything is manipulated or altered with deepfake technology. Thus, the labeling the entire face is... Uh, so I'm going to interject a moment. So if you're looking at the screen now, what you would see is four images. Top left is the original image we saw on the last screen. And top right is that same image, but cropped, a little tighter focus on the face. Below those are heat maps, much like you might see on Google Analytics, if you've ever used that. The overlay shows blue, green, yellow, red. And the red in this case is mainly around the nose area into the face. And then the other heat map, very similar. It's named heat map with intensity of artifacts. And it's pretty prominent showing these changes. And I'm sure 98.1%, which is what it says at the top in regard to a probability of a deep fake, is a great example because you can really see the color highlights and 
you immediately look at it and say, well, if it's 10 or 20%, they would be much more minimal. But with that, go ahead, Charles. Yeah, you're right, Ron. It would, I picked this example with a reason, of course. What I also want to point out is that we give an estimate on what type of deepfake generation methods this could be. There are dozens, if not more, hundreds of different ways to create deepfake. Well, face swapping, face morphing, lip syncing, just to name a few. We also do a, try to do a classification on that. So in this example, we predict it's around 22% an entire phase synthesis, 21% a phase swap, or 21% a phase morph. And this can also help the user in, well, substantiating his or her decision. Pretty powerful. I assume this all happens very quickly for using your tool and you did this, you get this near instantly, correct? Yeah, that's correct. This is almost for images. This is also almost real time. We also apply this on video. It's a bit heavier on video, but can also be done in near real time. It's pretty powerful. For the public and for the media, how are you more vigilant against the spread of wrong information through deep, deep fakes? Like, what can they do to be more vigilant even before turning on your tool or knowing they should be turning on your tool? We provide a retrospective analysis on images and video. And for some use cases, that's not enough. The damage may already be done even before the retrospective analysis that we provide for, comes into play. For many years, people have believed that images and video is kind of the last stronghold in information supply. If you see it, it must be real and it cannot be faked. That's what most people still believe, I think. We live in a time where this is no longer the case. Anything you see on any screen, tablet, smartphone, social media, whatever, may be faked or at least manipulated. And what I think is there should be a an awareness shift within people, the general public, that this stronghold of information supply, that what you see must be real, it no longer applies in 2023. Man, you talk about a problem to be solved. It's really big because it morphs in, in so many different ways. It's kind of like people say AI and they think it's a thing, an individual thing. It's just not. It's so many use cases and so many industries it touches. So you're starting with digital IDs. But there are probably 100 that we can name easily, other directions for you to go. And then uses, like maybe we have your tool on our computer and it's automatically checking things as we go. That's one possibility, right? Like, do you imagine, say, years down the road, how DuckDuckGoose will be, how will we be using it? Will it be an app on our mobile device? Well, at the moment, we provide a product which is very similar to what you described, Ron. We created a browser plugin, Deepfake Proof, which you install within Chrome or whatever browser you're using, and which checks the footage images you're watching if you're not by accident looking at deepfake material and maybe being misled by deepfake material. So it checks whatever you're watching and notifies you if we think a deepfake was found. In a couple of years from now, we see Dr. Goose as the go-to company for digital media authentication. Right now, our primary focus is on images and video, but we want to expand that to voice in the short term and then other modalities of media and of data too in the future. Well, one builds on the other. I mean, the more you do with digital identity, the more you get your media going, your videos going, and on and on and on. I mean, you're not starting from scratch each time. You're building on what you've already done which is pretty Correct. amazing. And when you think about videos, I want to say it's one of the most dangerous, but there, I guess there's dangers in every direction. But you just talk about politics and affecting masses and citizens and cultures. With AI now, I can produce a video 
with somebody I don't like, maybe someone in the government doing something Mm -hmm. really untoward and get it out on all the socials and it'll go viral in a moment and be treated as real, even though it's not. We know that can happen and it does happen, quite honestly. So the ability for individuals to know right away if that's the case, I would say you've got a mission that's incredibly important and powerful. I mean, that's more of a statement than a question, but why don't you dovetail from that into sort of what is going on with generative AI that maybe the average listener isn't tracking right now? And maybe just share for the final on this segment, what's on your roadmap instead of me sort of projecting out, you tell me what the most important points are you're looking forward to. Thanks, Ron, on the compliment and no pressure on our mission statement. When it comes to generative AI, I think generative AI is here to stay. The applications are virtually endless from design, gaming, content, other types of content creations and voice, all niche applications. But within these niches, generative AI can really be a great tool and optimize so many things. Because this niche focus, it will become a few feature in many products. And great examples of this is Adobe Firefly, where within the latest Adobe software, well, with now with a bit of prompting, one does the Photoshopping instead of how it used to be done. I think the next big step in generative AI is truly a good multi-model generative models. So models that combine different types of modalities of data as input, for example, sound and video or text and video and output different multiple modalities of data. So video with sound, for example. This is still relatively in its infancy, but give it a couple of months, maybe one and a half year. And I think the the multi-model generative AI will really kick off too. When it comes to things On our roadmap at Dr. Goose, our primary focus at the moment is to grow in digital identity verification and grow within that vertical. So we'll be releasing products for synthetic audio detection or synthetic speech detection, I must say, because voice biometrics is becoming more and more popular or mainstream as an identification method, which can also be spoofed by using voice generative AI models. For us, the next 12 months is all about growing in digital identity verification and releasing new features and products to do so. Yeah, it's great. So, I mean, most of us have heard probably quite a long time ago, if you ever answer a call and you don't know who it is, which most of us don't even answer anymore, but if you ever answer, they're going to ask you a question. Hopefully you will say yes. As soon as say yes, they utilize that and use it against you, of course. So we've all learned that a long time ago. So man, taking all those fears away would be just really fantastic. This voice is really booming. It will become a big thing, let's say six to 12 months from now. I pick up my phone, by the way, if someone calls me and I don't recognize the number, wait till you have a, or you're founding a startup again while still looking for a problem. (laughs) You will pick up the phone. You never know who might call. Good point. Good point. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for that. That was segment one, by the way. We are now going to head to segment two, and it's time for AI wants to know. So AI is curious. So are we. 10 quick questions designed to uncover the intriguing mysteries that AI longs to comprehend, but can't quite grasp. Think of it as a snack break in our journey. So keep the answers quick, but the safety belt sign, it's also off. So if it feels right, we can occasionally roam about the cabin, exploring more of who you are and what makes you tick. You ready for this? Quick answers? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. What's the first thing you ever remember being proud of? 
When I was eight, we relocated to India, to Hyderabad in India with our family. My parents, both of them had worked there. And well, I hardly spoke any English, let alone Hindi. And just being there after one month, my brother and I, both of us spoke fluent English and fluent Hindi. Quite proud of that, picking that up so quick. As you should be. That's pretty amazing. I lost the Hindi, by the way. Once we got back, there was no opportunity to practice. So uh, that's a shame. It is a shame. Go stay in India for a month. It'll all come right back. And I know that's an experience with a different language. I'm sure it will. Yep. What do you need help with that you wish you did not? One area where I sometimes can do with a bit of help is seeing the greater picture. For me, synthesizing and comprehending the broader context can be challenging. And my two co-founders, Mark and Puria, do a great job at helping me with that. And so in that respect, a very balanced team. Well, if we all had the same strengths, we wouldn't need partners. So that sounds like a perfect partnership. Yeah. What do others often look to you for help with? Well, my colleagues and team members often come to me for critiques or reviews of their work, which I'm happy to give. Friends often come for relationship advice and renovating houses. I'm quite proficient in doing things inside the house and enjoy doing that too. All right. Fantastic. We're going to head for question number four. What do you treasure most about your own human abilities? Well, as long as I can remember, I've been very curious and have a drive to keep learning. So that's something I really treasure about my human abilities. Amen to that, by the way. So if you look back on your whole life, what is the most consistent thing about you? I have a passion for things that move. When it started with cars, then it became buses, trains, planes, boats, you name it. I'm fascinated to learn about vehicles and how they work and why they are so efficient. That's a consistent thing throughout my life. Aerospace engineer. (laughs) Makes sense. Yes, yes. (laughs) All right. Well, how about if we look back throughout your whole life, what has changed the most? Me being able to handle losing. I was a terrible loser as a kid and can handle that much better. As a startup founder, you have more lows than you have highs. And well, you need to be able to handle those. And I wasn't able to do that uh, 20 years ago. Well, it goes back to an earlier question when you were saying you focus on the granular, especially as an entrepreneur, you got to pull back and look at the whole picture sometimes. What do you find strangest about reality? Yeah, I thought this was a very interesting question. I think actually reality is never strange. We are the ones that's strange. The reason it seems this way is because our perception of reality is influenced by our own consciousness or subconsciousness, which has its own inherent tendencies and characteristics and which shape the way we interact with reality. Our experiences and logical intuitions over time contribute to our expectations or of how things should be or how we view the things around us. So reality is just there. It's not strange. We are, or our perception of it is. Fabulous. I love that answer. (laughs) Really, really well thought out. So we've all had those moments of life where you feel really, really alive. Usually it's to an event or something happens and you get that, that powerful, alive feeling. What's the most recent example of that that you've had? Yeah, that was last weekend when I go flying. I have a private pilot license, so you can find me up in the skies above the Netherlands during the weekend, and that really makes me feel alive. Oh, no, I get that. That's fantastic. How about traits? Do you have a single trait you would kind of put as your most unique one? Well, I found this the most difficult question. I do have a few peculiar traits, but we'll leave it at that. And maybe the listeners who know me a bit better might be laughing now. 
We'll get your partners on the podcast and ask them. Yeah, you should. You should. You should. <laughs> this one's a sideways question, but if you weren't human, what would you be? I think I would love to be a house cat. I would like nothing more than to spend my days grooming, sleeping, eating, and you know, silently judging humankind. It's really, really fantastic. So appreciate all that. Gives us a little more insight into your personality, and we'll take that all day long. You're welcome. Segment three, AI leaders and influencers. So it allows you to highlight some of the leading individuals, projects, and organizations that influence you or that people might want to follow. You're in it. Some of us, it's not that different than crypto and blockchain 10 years ago when nobody knew who to listen to and we listened to everybody and all that you heard wasn't always accurate or good. So you are so deep in this. Maybe you can give some insights as to different AI leaders or influences. Yeah, I think there are too many leaders or influencers to mention, but just to name a few, Andrew Ng is, of course, a very prominent figure within the AI community. So is Fai-Fi Lee, former director of the Stanford AI Lab and founder of AI for All. Or Timnit Gebru, who is a computer scientist and prominent advocate of ethical AI, which is very relevant. I personally find it very interesting, also very relevant to deepfake detection. Or Mustafa Sulaiman, who is the co-founder of DeepMind, who has done some great work there. Yeah, really too many names for a single list. For those of us that aren't as immersed as yourself, that was a great list. And it gives us sort of a great target to go toward and learn even more. So I think that's really fantastic. So those are the people. But when you talk about resources, websites, apps, books, podcasts, like, do you have anything to share with us today about sort of the resources you find the most valuable and what you spend your time on? Yeah, I have a couple of resources I'd like to share. As a student, I relied heavily upon a book called Pattern Recognition and Machine Learning by Bishop, which was what we call the Bible of machine learning. I still look through it every now and then. It offers a mathematical foundation for modern machine learning, which I think any machine learning or deep learning engineer needs to understand. That's really for the really technical listeners. I follow Yannick Kilger's YouTube channel. He goes into academic research papers or Bill explains the state of the art in machine learning through academic research papers, discusses these papers, critiques them, explains how they work or how the code implementation works. I follow a newsletter called The Sequence, which covers a bit of everything. It keeps me up to date on the investment landscape, which AI startup is raising money where, which features are being released within machine learning or deep learning libraries, what code updates are being released, what else is going on in the community. Sequence, their free Sunday newsletter really helps me with that. For reading up, which can be quite a challenge because there's so many people in the world just working on deepfake detection alone, it's hard to keep up on what's going on out there. I use Zeta Alpha, which is a platform for searching academic research papers, basically Google scholars on steroids. I find it incredibly useful for staying up to date within my domain of deepfake detection. Amazing bunch of resources mentioned, and thank you for that. Really, really appreciate it. It's going to save someone tens, if not hundreds of hours that go into the wrong places. So really fantastic. We're going to move to segment five, which is AI tips. So tell us some of the cool ways that you use AI that we might not have explored today, ways that everyone may have not realized are available. You might want to give some example that illustrate a technique used to seed AI or get the best results, share something you have insights into just because of your specialty that you have. 
Yeah, of course. I'd be happy to share. Well, to start, I think explainable AI is here to stay. Instead of being a feature on top of classification or regression models or whatever, I really encourage AI practitioners to design for explainability. It's no, It can no longer be seen as an add-on. It will also be mandated. In Europe, there's regulation coming up, which makes this explainability mandatory. And I think for certain use cases, we cannot do without this explainability for biometrics or things using cord or whatever. And as a start, I think offering the same level of explainability that a human could is a great starting point. That's considered a task of deepfake detection. We need to substantiate our classification to our customers and by mimicking how we would do this ourselves and then letting the AI learn how to do that, that offers a good starting point for explainable AI. That's one. Second, what I've learned is that in industry, you don't necessarily need the latest and the newest to get the job done. You don't need 70 billion parameter or large language models. Sometimes the very simple, just a random forest classifier just works just as well. Most of the times, there's no need to over-engineer things. I think the engineers always like to over-engineer things. I like to over-engineer things. It's part of, it's the fun part of the job, but often simple methods are just as great. And lastly, I think there will be a more of a focus on bias and transparency of training data in the future, especially with the big tech companies and well, the products they release. They're quite close about what data they actually use to train these LLMs on, I think this issue will be increasingly relevant in the future in the next months, actually. Yeah, very soon. As a matter of fact, there's been threats of some pretty substantial lawsuits. I don't know whether they've actually been turned into lawsuits yet, but in regard to where did a product do its training and if it did it on someone else's product, it's an issue. So all that's coming to light. And then you mentioned some laws that are being written in Europe right now. That's a really interesting sort of direction. And that is, AI is amazing, but it can also do some amazingly bad things. We know that it can be used improperly or for bad things, I'll say, right, by bad people. So there has to be regulation around it. There has to be governance around it. The reality is for yourself, and I know for me coming from the industry, the world moves so fast and any regulative body moves very slow by nature. They're supposed to, it's supposed to get it right. But we now have this situation where they want to be moving slow and getting exactly right, while the industry is moving so darn fast that by the time the regulators catch up here, the industry is already onto another universe. And that's just, I'll just call it an issue. You can call it a problem. I'm going to ask you to speak to that a little bit and see what you think. And part of the answer to that is DuckDuckGoose. And I'm sure there's other products that have the same mission to be able to look at what you just explained about explainable AI is really a big thing. And you asked for transparency in it. Like, show us how you came up with it. Show us what you utilized. Those things being designed in are really, really important and really very great, right? But that for DuckDuckGoose, I haven't heard much about it. So I don't know if you want to speak to some of the regulations that are coming out, some that should come out, any advice to the regulators, whether it's EU or anywhere else. I Just that subject in general, if you can speak to that, that would be great. Yeah, I think regulation is always lagging on technological developments that has been so for centuries. But yeah, with the potential of abusing generative AI technology, there is urgency to do things here. And that gives opportunities for companies like my company who offer retrospective analyses. 
But I was actually very glad to read a couple of days that seven big tech firms signed into a White House AI commitments, among which OpenAI and Meta, based, well, saying that they'll cooperate with and think along with whatever legislation is coming up. And I'm glad to read that the big tech is taking its responsibility when it comes to open sourcing or being transparent or trying to mitigate bias as much as possible. Yeah, and that was pretty big news. And we'll watch it as, as it goes. But again, a big pat on the back for the mission that you guys have. I think it's critically important. And the fact that you're so advanced in it, you as a company is pretty amazing. Where can listeners go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on and Duck, Duck Goose in general? You can find more on Dr. Goose at our website, drgoose.ai. And if this podcast resonated with you or you would like to follow up this conversation or learn more about the deepfake predictions, products and services that we provide at Dr. Goods, don't hesitate to reach out and we'd love to connect. Joris, you really brought it to yet another level. It's really fantastic. And you sharing all that you had to share on this podcast is going to help many other people. So I can't thank you enough for it, but there's probably some people behind you that have helped you. So take a moment, anybody you'd like to give a shout out to or mention, this is your moment. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Ron. I'd like to give a shout out to all the advisors that we have at Dr. Goose, Joe, Ian, Hans, Jeroen, and well, especially Jin, who made the connection with you guys. Thank you so much. We would not be where we are at Dr. Goose today without you. Fantastic. So it's time for another safe landing at Outer Edges of the AI universe for today. This is your host, Ron Levy. And on behalf of our guest and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for choosing to voyage with us today. We wish you a safe and enjoyable continuation of your journey. When you come back aboard, make sure to bring a friend. The Starship is always ready for more adventurers. Head over to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, share your thoughts. Your support and feedback mean the world to us. Don't forget to visit edgeofai.co to learn more. Connect with us on all the major social platforms by searching for edgeof underscore AI. Join the exciting conversations happening online. Before we sign off, mark your calendars for our next voyage, where we'll continue to unravel the mysteries and advancements of AI. Until then, bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's Edge of AI podcast, episode number four with Joris Malinga of DuckDuckGoose. Stick around for five minutes and get your dose of current events in today's Edge of AI dispatch segment, powered by Metaverse Post. This is your source for the latest news in cutting edge tech and AI. Today, we'll cover the freshest breakthroughs in the tech market, game-changing generative AI advancements, Midjourney's release of a new tool, YouTube's music industry collaboration, and if that isn't enough, we're gonna cover a partnership between VMware and NVIDIA. The tech market buzzed with excitement as two major players made headlines. Zoom, the video call tool that now supports everything from work meetings to virtual hugs with grandma, surged by an impressive 8% post earnings, fueled by a quarterly report that outpaced expectations. Meanwhile, Palo Alto, a key IT conglomerate, saw its stock rise by a remarkable 16%. Thanks to its AI ventures and a strong quarterly performance that exceeded analysts' predictions. Palo Alto also projected an ambitious 20% sales growth over the next three years. The digital innovation hub of Lufthansa Group unveiled an impressive new AI tool named Swifty, designed to enhance the travel experience for business travelers, leveraging the prowess of OpenAI's GPT-4, the personalized AI assistant, streamlining trip planning and booking processes. Stanislav Bondarenko, founder of Swiftly, 
told Metaverse Post that Swiftly could significantly reduce booking times from the customary one to two hours to an astonishing 10 minutes achieved through direct user interaction with an AI assistant that promptly offers relevant travel options. In the coding realm, Desi launched Desi Coder, a groundbreaking AI model adept at generating code snippets across various programming languages. Boasting a billion parameters and a 2048 token context window, Desi Coder produces high quality code swiftly and accurately, particularly in Python, JavaScript, and Java. This model boasts superior speed and accuracy compared to its predecessor, which was Santa Coder. Jonathan Giefman, who is the CEO and co-founder of Desi, explained to Metaverse Post that the model reduces computational costs during inference. This is accomplished by allowing businesses to shift their code generation tasks to more cost-effective hardware without sacrificing speed or precision. That's AI Nerdspeak that means Desi Coder can make AI code more efficiently on cheaper machines while still being quick and accurate. I'll take it. Meanwhile, YouTube embarked on an innovative journey, partnering with music industry stars like Anita, Bjorn Alveas of ABBA, and composer Max Richter to create the Music AI Incubator. This collaborative program explores AI's creative role in music production, reshaping the relationship between music and technology. On a visual note, Midjourney has introduced the InPainting tool. It's an AI-driven image editor that lets users modify specific components of images without needing to rework the entire image. You can provide instructions for altering a highlighted area to create personalized adaptations without advanced skills or other software. Meta has launched a multilingual foundational model called Seamless M4T that offers real-time translation capabilities for speech-to-speech, speech-to-text, text-to-speech, and text-to-text translations in almost 100 languages. The introduction of this unified system marks a milestone in the application of AI to linguistics. With more streamlined functionality involving both speech and text than traditionally fragmented approaches. Consumer giants Nestle, Mars, Colgate, Palmolive, Coca-Cola, and Unilever are embracing generative AI tools for increased productivity and reduced advertising costs. This echoes a broader trend towards integrating AI across various sectors. Speaking to Metaverse Post about this trend, Hikari Senju, founder and CEO of generative AI advertising platform known as Omneki, said that whether in advertising, legal matters, or coding, AI has a potential to increase human productivity by tenfold. He went on to say that generative AI tools will stimulate human creativity by offering new suggestions and insights grounded in company assets and data. He emphasized AI's growing role as a supportive co-pilot rather than a substitute for human talent. IBM just launched a transformative endeavor, Watson X Code Assistant 4Z. Watson X aims to modernize COBOL applications incrementally using generative AI. The goal is to address skill gaps while leveraging the strengths of Java in a way that also minimizes potential risk. The VMware Private AI Foundation with NVIDIA has emerged out of a long-standing partnership between VMware and NVIDIA. The offering provides infrastructure to enterprises to fine-tune large language models and deploy advanced generative AI applications within VMware's hybrid cloud framework. It's a noteworthy step towards bringing sophisticated AI capabilities to enterprise and fostering innovation. 
That's it for the Edge of AI Dispatch today, your source for the latest news in cutting edge tech and artificial intelligence. This news segment has been powered by Metaverse Post. Tune in next time for targeted coverage of the most compelling stories in markets, industry, and culture. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of AI reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. While we make every effort to ensure that the information about AI technology is accurate and up-to-date, we cannot guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or timeliness. We make no representations or warranties of any kind with respect to the information, products, or services discussed. Please be aware AI may occasionally generate incorrect or misleading information and produce offensive or biased content. Under no circumstances shall we be liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss or damage arising from loss of data or profits arising out of or in connection with the use of technology discussed on our podcast. Additionally, our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. Lastly, time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of these links. Refer to our website, edgeofai.xyz, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, privacy policy, and copyright notice.